0: Welcome to Finance with Factor, a place you can come to laugh and learn from local experts about everything related to the world of real estate. Each week we cover a unique topic to help you understand the mortgage industry, navigate the home buying process and grow your business while maintaining a slice of sanity. Now that he has climbed safely atop his soapbox, here is your host, a senior loan officer with Mortgage Network, Jason Factor,
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Finance and Factor. Thank you very much for joining me today. A little bit of break from the conventional format, but I'll get into that in a moment. Today, we're going to talk about mortgage interest rates. Fascinating topic, I'm sure. But I'm not going to get into market volatility, how or why markets move in various ways. There are hundreds of economists with long I'm sure, riveting podcasts about economic theory and such. The reality is, unless you're Bobby Axelrod from Billions or one of his cronies, you can't really control the market. And timing the market is a bit of a fool's errand. We'll get into that as well. So, up, down, sideways, bear, bull, rates are moving, they're stable. The question is, what are your controllables? What can you control and how does that impact you? The usual format of Finance with Factor is that I would now invite in a guest and pepper him or her with questions about whatever his or her expertise is. We've spoken with local mayors about real estate trends in their local markets. We've covered financial markets with capital market specialists. We've spoken with realtors and financial advisors about a variety of financing and commercial and residential real estate topics. Today, I'm gonna break that format of long-form interview and just speak directly to you. It's a bit of a crazy time to anyone out there who's buying, refinancing, or in the real estate world. So, let's take a deep breath. and dive into the exciting topic of math. But before you turn off this podcast or drive your car off the road into a tree, please don't do that. Um, Either of those things. This isn't going to be Mrs. Van Dyke's algebra lessons from whatever grade she taught me. This is going to be the real-world math, the stuff that she probably should have been teaching me. Heck, had she been teaching me that stuff, maybe I would have been paying attention to her instead of passing notes to the girl sitting in front of me. And barely remembering that she was my algebra teacher. (laughs) Uh, Probably shouldn't admit that on what is now recorded air. Um, So if we can't control the stock market, which if I could, I probably wouldn't be doing a podcast from my tiny closet right now. I'd be doing it from my private plane on the way to Paris for lunch, just for the fun of it. So we'll grant myself that. I can't control the market. I'll give you an analogy. I'm a parent. I have three kids. I can do my best to raise them. I know my son, Drew, my son, Ryan, my son, Evan. I know them like the back of my hand. I can anticipate all their moves, right? Any parent out there is like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I'm sitting in my office right now. I'm looking at pictures of the three of them. They're absolutely insane. And even to the best of their behavior and my ability, I don't, I can't predict what they're doing. I'm, I'm looking here at a picture of Evan with a face full of frosting and one with Ryan screaming for no particular reason out of excitement, just jumping up and down because he probably saw a bug or something. Even the things that you think you can control, you can't control. It. So it's not worth sweating the small stuff. Now, when I say sweating the small stuff, I don't necessarily mean everything becomes a small thing, right? Like interest rates have an impact. They impact our buying power. They impact our rates. They impact, you know, there are impacts. One of those things that drives an interest rate is the market, particularly the 10-year bond. If you're interested in it, I encourage you to go back through the podcast. We actually dive into this a bit. In depth, uh, in one of my previous episodes, you're more than welcome to check out the library. But beyond my self-involvement there, so forgive me, <laughs> forgive, forgive me. Um, if you're just a normal buyer out there, or your realtor or your financial advisor, you've been following the headlines. I, I pulled a couple here. Mortgage rates jump again. Here's what it means. If you're a home buyer, that's from CNBC, Fox Business News. Mortgage rates spike buyers may want to act ahead of future increases another one from this one i think from cnn fears from higher mortgage rates are heading are heating up this winter for home buyers the reality is we've all been sort of duped at one time or another into what i would call fear-based buying the store puts a final sale sign out the window I, I heck i've gone on to you know whether it's ebay or steep and cheap cheap or whatever these sites are where you've got these deals that are timing out in five four three two one you're like click 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 whatever i'll just buy it um it's 70 percent off like eh, it's free money right um you don't want that to be your house right we're not buying a sports coat here so we're not buying like a what the heck, I'll throw $5 at the fidget spinner and see if it was a good deal. It was on sale from 15 bucks, so of course I like it. Um, when you're buying your house, you want it to hopefully be a bit more thoughtful than that. It's easy to fall prey to what I would call fear-based buying or trying to time the market. Again, I actually did a podcast on the concept of timing the market and what some of those fallacies are the idea that anyone out there can quote unquote time the market i think is a fool's errand just my opinion but again i can't predict the stock market i can't predict the real estate market i don't expect any particular home buyer out there to be able to do it in the end if you're buying a home it's an income or it's a, it's a appreciating asset if you're going to live in it for a long time Is there a big difference between buying it near the top at the top or near the bottom at the bottom? Uh, I mean, if I'm going to live in this house for 20 years, chances are by the time I go to sell it, you know, maybe I need to wait 21 years instead because I'll try to catch the bubble or the dip then. But right now, while I'm getting into it, I have the house I wanted and there's value in that, right? So falling prey to the fear based buying is a dangerous game, especially in real estate. Now, there are times when it's inevitable. Timeline dictates a move. I've done it myself. One of our places when Drew was born, my, my now, my, my oldest, he had just started walking. We lived in a 500 square foot, two bedroom in Somerville, uh, Massachusetts. We had gotten rid of the couch. Gotten rid of the side table, gotten rid of the coffee table. Uh, we had just a like chair in the in the family room and a TV. And he's pacing back and forth like a cage zoo animal. And we're like, we gotta go. It's it, he's walking now, and we can't live here. Um. So there are times when when you are motivated on a given timeline to buy, right, or you're pressed to buy because of a given timeline. And there are also times when, sure, rate can play a variable in that. You don't want it to be the sole variable that's driving it. That said, interest rates do impact your buying power. They do impact your ability to purchase a home. Maybe not the ability to purchase a home per se, but how much you're buying that home for. This is the part that I ask you to bear with me. I'm going to do my best to make this palatable. We're going to go through some numbers here. Let's assume you're buying a home for $500,000. You're putting 10% down. It's a $450,000 loan amount. If you were buying it mid 2020, mid 2021, maybe you were getting that for as low as the mid twos. Maybe call it, in this example, let's call it two and three quarters. At two and three quarters, at a $500,000 purchase price and a 450 loan, you'd be looking at a principal and interest payment of 1837. So on a $450,000 loan amount with a $500,000 purchase price, at two and three quarters, it's 1837. If the interest rate goes from 2.75 to 3.5, so from two and three quarters to three and a half, that monthly payment goes up by $184. What that means is that your monthly payment from call it mid 2020 to call it today for the same amount of money, $500,000 purchase, $450,000 loan, Costs you one hundred eighty-four dollars more per month. It's twenty, about twenty-two hundred dollars more per year. Eventually, over the course of thirty years, certainly that adds up, right? Now, if I asked you, here's a house that you like, that you love, and you want to buy, and you can't afford the hundred eighty dollars, would you buy this house for one hundred eighty dollars more? Chances are the answer is yes, right? If I can afford that, then the answer is yes. Now, if that payment was my max, I now have a problem, right? Like I've, I now have gone $184 over my max. To dial back a little bit, what do I mean by that? When you are pre-approved, the greatest fallacy in home buying is that you are pre-approved for a purchase price. So to use this example, you're pre-approved for. A purchase price. But what we're actually pre approving you for is a monthly payment. So let's say I make $4,000 a month and I carry no debt to my name. My new house is my only expense. And let's say I'm allowed to go to 50% on what's called my debt to income ratio. That means my debt cannot exceed $2,000 a month. So, my monthly payment can't go over $2,000. Therefore, if let's say I was maxed out on this home at a $500,000 purchase price, my four fifty dollars loan came to $1,837, plus taxes, insurance, and everything, let's say that came to $2,000, But now I've been searching for a year or maybe a couple of months. And now my interest rate goes from two and three quarters to three and a half. I have a problem, right? Like now I can't get approved. Because my payment just went from $2,000 a month to $2,184 a month. And I don't qualify for that. That can be a problem. It impacts your buying power. So this is what I mean by that. In order to maintain that same monthly payment, so $500,000 purchase price, a $450,000 loan amount at two and three quarters came to $1,837 per month. It was a little bit more expensive at the three and a half rate. It came to 2021 That was my monthly principal and interest payment at three and a half. So if I want to maintain my principal and interest payment at eighteen. dollars 37-ish, my new buying power at 10% down becomes $456,000, which means my buying power decreased by $44,000 because my interest rate went from two and three quarters to three and a half. In order to qualify for the exact same monthly payment, my buying power went down. Now, over the last two years, we've seen the inverse of that. So you've seen people's buying power stretch very dramatically. They were looking in 2019 at maybe four and a quarter for their interest rate, let's just say. And suddenly, almost overnight seemingly, they're looking at an interest rate at two and a half. And their buying power basically doubles. Now, that impacts their ability to purchase, right? In the example that we were just going over, two and three quarters to three and a half, my buying power essentially decreased $44,000. But in the inverse, it increased $44,000. It's free money. It's the winnings at the casino that I can now reinvest. And I can only play with my winnings. That's kind of what has been happening over the last two years. You've seen people stretch their buying power. They could buy the $500,000 home for the same amount that last year they were buying the $450,000 home. So if they were shopping for a $450 and they kept losing out, suddenly they can, quote unquote, overbid for five. It still appraises maybe, and they get through, and boom, now they've got that $500,000 home at the $450,000 price. We're gonna see a little bit of that reel back over these next few months, and we will quote unquote normalize a bit. How that impacts the actual pricing of homes, it's hard to say. In the end, the biggest issue with the real estate market in at least our area um, metropolitan areas, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Miami, DC, New York, Boston has been inventory. Heck, get out of them, those areas. Go to the lake houses in New Hampshire. You've seen an astronomical assumption, uh, ascension in real estate. Why? Because there's no inventory. You had buyers, liquid, with money to spend, who were able to spend, and were motivated to buy because interest rates were low. And suddenly, their buying power is stretched and they're able to make aggressive offers. But the reality is, even as that dials back, the inventory problem hasn't resolved. What all of that leads to? Now, what that tends to lead to is the panic purchase right? Like toilet paper's almost out. Everyone quick, dial four. Um, You don't want to do that with your home. You know, a house is something that you want to enjoy. And again, there are times, to my point earlier, that timelines dictate you need to move. There's not a lot you can do about that. Clients that are relocating because of a job change, you're going to have to buy something or, or again, you're going to have to rent it. Um, We all have those things in our closet that we regret buying. Um, To quote Anchorman, milk was a bad choice. There are times when you immediately regret the decisions you're making. But a house isn't an Amazon purchase. You can't just drop it off at your local Kohl's and call it a day. So you want to be strategic when buying a home. And you want to make sure that you understand the ramifications for the decisions you're making. How do they impact your short-term goals? How do they impact your long-term goals? How do they impact your financial future? And how do they impact your happiness, right? Like in the end, buying a home is an emotional thing. So how do you become a confident buyer? To me, the key is knowing your numbers. And how you do that. You start by building a home buying team that you like and trust. Building a team that communicates well is the key to enjoying your home buying experience, in my opinion. You want to have a lender, a realtor, and if you're in an attorney state, an attorney, or if you're in a title state, a title company, those three people need to be in communication throughout the entire process shopping for a lender or shopping for a realtor uh, late in the process is only going to make it more stressful and it's going to handicap your ability to be a confident buyer what i mean by that is when you're buying a house maintaining that level of communication up front so that your lender and your, buyer and your buyer and your real and your realtor are all speaking through the specifics of a, of each property. So, let's give a real example. To go back to our example of a $500,000 purchase. Let's say I found a house and it's listed for $500,000 and I really like it. My wife and I go, we we look at it. Maybe we look at it twice. We notice it's really busy, there are a lot of people there. Our realtor calls in, there are a lot of offers already in hand. We're going to have to act fast. We get our lender on the phone, we run some numbers. Realtor runs some comps. And my realtor says, I think this home can comp as high as 575. Don't be shocked if it goes a little over that, but I don't think it would appraise. I wouldn't go higher than 575. I think, based on the traffic, you're probably looking between 560 and 575. Cool. Let's run numbers from, as the lender, let's run numbers from 560 to 575. I might look at those numbers and say, 565 is as high as I feel comfortable. Interest rates have moved, our timeline is a little faster than I thought it would be. Whatever the variables are, based on this specific property at this specific timeline at these specific current market conditions and numbers, 570 or 565 is as high as I feel comfortable. Great. Now we know our best and final. Right? And now the realtor and the lender can work together to put in that offer and they go through the communication lines and they they do whatever they need to do to hopefully get your offer accepted. If it goes for 580, cool, right? Like we drew our line in the sand at 565 and we were comfortable with it. We're not going to sweat the small stuff that it went for 580. Like we'll get the next one. And on the next one, maybe rates are a little bit better. Maybe taxes are a little bit lower. Maybe the interest rate is a little bit better because it doesn't have the pool in the backyard. Or it doesn't have the pool in the backyard, so maybe the insurance is a little bit lower. All these variables maybe mean I now feel comfortable going to 580 on this one. So running offer-specific loan estimates at various price points so you know how the numbers move and where you feel comfortable is absolutely the key to being a confident home buyer. Especially in a volatile market, like we're in at least at the beginning of 2022 here where rates are, go, are escalating and moving quickly. Again, not to go too deep into Anchorman here, but boy, that escalated quickly. Um, rates have just kind of gone crazy in the last week. So, keeping your pre-approvals and your pipeline consistent and updated, keeping your realtor partners updated, keeping your home buyers and pre-approvals updated with, hey, here's how this impacts what we're doing. Like we ran some numbers and it was at the max. So we're going to need to pare down what we're doing a little bit, or we're going to need to try to maybe refocus X, Y, and Z, or be prepared to buy down the rate and pay some points to keep the rate within a zone that we're comfortable. Keeping all those numbers in goal and in budget is absolutely essential. The key is to know all your backup plans. I like to do it before I push SEND. So for example, let's say we're waiving our appraisal contingency. What are our backup plans? How are we financing this if the appraisal comes in a little off? What realistically should we be expecting for an appraisal gap? Let's say ratios come in a little bit higher or my bonus this time of year isn't quite what I thought it was going to be, or my tax return doesn't come back quite as high as I thought it would be. What are the ways that we are going to make up the gaps that we need to cover from a financing standpoint to again, make sure that we know our numbers and that we as buyers can be confident. If you've done all of that homework, you've built a team around you, you've maintained open lines of communication throughout the process, you've selected properties, Run numbers on those properties. Developed a real estate plan and a financing plan that matches your short and long-term goals so that we are simpatico. We've run all our backup plans so that we feel comfortable that we're operating well within our budget and our means. You now have the ability to be a decisive and confident buyer. So that when you do close your eyes and push send and watch your life savings transfer out the window, You know you're doing that because you like the house and you want to live there and not because it's going to be a regrettable purchase and you're going to be sitting there with buyer's remorse. My only ask to anyone listening to this podcast is if you are out there buying, if you are a realtor, are you doing these things? If you're not, make it your goal for this year to do it. If your goal this year was to buy a home, I encourage you, no matter who you work with, Just ask the key questions. Are we going to run property-specific offers? Are we going to uh, know what our interest rate is before we're submitting that offer or about what our interest rate is, right? Like you can't guarantee anything in this market, but are we going to have a pretty good idea of where we stand? And do we know all of the numbers and how we're getting there? I assure you, if you are following the plan staying within your budget, you can be a confident buyer. I hope that this was useful for everyone. I apologize for being a pompous gas bag and spouting my mortgage math at you for the last 20-something minutes. But if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. I hope to see you again next week. I promise I have a very good guest coming on. Uh, We are going to be somehow working into our 100th episode. Um, which just blows my mind. So if you've been along this journey for most of the ride, thank you. If you're new to the proceedings, I hope that you do take the time to follow this podcast. Thank you very much. I sincerely appreciate anyone who even just follows, let alone makes it this far in to actually listen. But if you have made it this far, thank you. I will be making a $10 donation in your name, uh, in the name of Finance with Factor, in honor of all the subscribers to Finance with Factor, I will be very proud to be continuing our support to the Friends of Boston Homeless. $10 per new subscriber. So if you're out there and you want to support a good cause and maybe even promote the podcast a little bit, please share it around. Uh, grab your partner's phone, your friend's phone. Just subscribe to them, for them, wherever they listen to podcasts. Go into Spotify, Google, Apple, and just follow Finance with Factor. I'd sincerely appreciate it. Anyways, thank you very much. I look forward to speaking with you again next week, and I'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Finance with Factor. Please remember to like, rate, share, and subscribe. Then if you really like us, unsubscribe and resubscribe again. Of course, that can be our secret, but it helps our ratings. Have an idea for an upcoming topic you want us to cover? Post a comment. For the full video version of this episode or any of our previous episodes, please find, like, and follow Jason on YouTube or Facebook at Jason Factor Mortgage Network and on Instagram at Finance with Factor. All content on Finance with Factor is self-published by Jason Factor, Senior Loan Officer, NMLS number 1401985. All rates, guidelines, and advice discussed on this episode is subject to change. For a full list of disclosures, visit the License and Disclosure page at jasonfactor.com.